everyone. I'm Hope Lehman. I'm Camila Richardson. And I'm Marisol Catchings. And welcome to Just Be, a podcast by and for Black women entrepreneurs. Let's get it cracking. This week's show is about to be lit, y'all. It is a pre-recorded segment of The Beauty Shop in which we bring a group of Black women entrepreneurs together to talk pop culture, current events, life, and of course, business. This segment covers some topics that have already happened but are nonetheless still relevant. So we hope you enjoy the show. Welcome everyone. Today we have a, a packed room full of beautiful black women entrepreneurs. We're going to be getting into our very first segment of the beauty shop, which we'll explain later what that means. Um, and uh, we're going to pass it off to Mari to introduce our guests. All right. Our wonderful guests today are Tanya Montgomery of Mixed Collection and Aaliyah Baker of Show and Tell Concept Shop and Culture Collective, both Oakland entrepreneurs. So welcome, you guys. Welcome. Welcome to the show, you guys. All right, so we're going to get into it. Could you guys share a little bit of of your background? Um, Well, I'm like, your background, your entire life story, no, I'm just teasing. Um, And business, and then about your businesses themselves, and then about why you decided to become an entrepreneur. All right, I guess I'll kick it off. Um, This is Tanya Montgomery. I am the owner of Mix Collection. I design and handmade contemporary women's apparel. Uh, Back in 2012 is when I launched Mix Collection, which was solely online and mainly like custom clothing for women. And in the fall of 2015, I expanded and launched a fashion truck that continue to house my um, custom-made apparel. I've always liked the concept of being an entrepreneur because you kind of get get to be your own boss and make your own decisions and you don't have to go and talk to a whole board to make one decision. If you love it, you like it, you do it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I love right. that. I love that concept and I've always loved to create and make things with my hands. So. It's a good feeling to see people like and love what I've created. And so that's just kind of where my passion is and how I ended up going down this road. Awesome. 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 Um, So I'm Aaliyah, and my businesses are Show & Tell Concept Shop and Culture Collective. Um, Show & Tell is a boutique um, and platform for sustainable and socially responsible designers. Um, We really like to focus on people who are doing like handmade goods, um, goods that are ethically sourced and produced, and also um, like to feature other entrepreneurs within the shop that are from marginalized communities. So women, uh, queer folks, people of color especially. Um, So yeah, we've been open since 2011, and that is the first business I opened. And out of that, Um, kind of a couple years into that project, I realized that there was actually a need for um, a bigger space that could host events and also um, kind of just be a place that lots of community could gather. So Culture Collective grew out of that. 
Um, it's specifically aimed at being a safe space for um, queer folks and allies, but it's really very open to kind of like the broad spectrum of the Oakland community to come and create together. So we want people in there who are change makers, activists, um, socially conscious folks working together to make Oakland a better place. Um, and yeah, that opened, what year is it now? 2017? Yeah. So mm-hmm. that was two years ago, 2015 is when Culture Collective opened. Wow. Um, and path to entrepreneurship. Um, let's see, I had a corporate job for a while um, and it, it was great. I learned a lot there, but at some point I kind of felt like I was hitting the glass ceiling. I don't know if that's what you even call it for black women. It just was like, <laughs> I was this <laughs> oddball in the room and no matter how great my work was, I, I was always feeling kind of out of place. And so I was like, let me see what happens if I branch off and try to do, like take the skills that I've learned and put them to use for the communities that I really want to help um, and that I'm a part of. So that's kind of how I ended up kind of jumping into the entrepreneurial pool. <laughs> awesome. I have a quick follow-up question. Can you guys share where you're located, like where your business is, like in Oakland? Sure, yeah. Show and Tell is um, right in the heart of Oakland, so 14th and Broadway, uh, 1427 Broadway specifically, and Culture Collective is also downtown, um, but on Franklin Street, so 17th and Franklin. Mm-hmm. And Camille and I have Art Space at Culture Collective. Shout out. Yeah, yes. <laughs> spend a lot of time there. Yes, we do. <laughs> and my truck, um, I travel all throughout the East Bay. So normally, like I always post on Facebook or Instagram, uh, wherever I'll be. I usually park somewhere different every weekend. So well, you, now that the months are warmer. So you um, have like a store on wheels. Yeah. That's yeah. so cool. Yeah, so it, it has a fitting room and clothing rack and yeah, like a boutique on wheels. It's really amazing. That's so cool. <laughs> that, that is so cool. <laughs> now, do, do you invite people to shop out of your uh, showroom as well? I do. Um, only, like, one... Only... So I don't have a set. They can come by appointment. The reason why I don't have a set, right, is because it's just me. Mm-hmm. And if it's a Saturday and I have an event, I can't be at my studio as well. But I do have um, my studio where I, I actually make my stuff, which is um, at a creative space building in um, Berkeley called Active Space. Um, and it's on 7th Street. Um, the building is like three levels and there's just like, a, a like people can rent out the spaces to create. And I have a little storefront um, in that building. So I do try to do it like one Saturday a month there, mm-hmm. but primarily it's just on my truck yeah that's awesome Mm -hmm. that's cool yay yay well welcome you guys so this segment is called beauty shop slash shop top that's kind of what i call it (laughs) um and what we'll be doing is we will be inviting black women creative entrepreneurs to join us um every three or four episodes just to talk shop and see where they are with their business, what they're going through, what kind of experiences they're having, and um, help build a community with each other. Because I think it's important for us to build a community and learn from each other's journeys. Like, that's what this is all about. Tell your journey, let us hear it, and we'll learn from it, take what we can from it. Um, And we also want to make sure we have open and honest conversations because I think it's important for 
people to know that it's not all roses. It's not all beautiful from the beginning. Mm-hmm. And I think it's good to hear people hear, hear your failure stories sometimes or hear how you fell down and got back up or pulled yourself back up again. So welcome to Beauty Shop slash Shop Top. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And with that said, it's also... As we're going to be talking about pop culture stuff as well, so mm-hmm. it's not going to yeah. be all business. <laughs> just to kind of loosen the room up yeah. and get, you know, oh, just yeah. get comfortable. I'm curious where this conversation is going to take us. <laughs> all right. Y'all ready for the first question? Ready. Yes. All right. Sugar grits or savory grits? Okay. Um, sugar grits. Mm. <laughs> it's a lot of judging happening. <laughs> Now I know you. <laughs> you know everything about your life now. Um, this one was, it's like a hard decision. I, it really depends on what mood I'm in. Because sugar grits is like, feels like dessert, you know? It's like a sweet treat. But I'm generally a savory person all the time. So usually I would pick savory over sweet. So I'll go with savory. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did you eat sugar grits growing up? Like when you were little? Because that's when I was introduced to. My grandmother. We used to have it all the time. I, I, I only had grits. Oh, now you guys are really going to judge. I didn't have grits until I was an adult. Because I didn't like the way that oh, they, the, the, texture. The, grit, yeah. the texture, the way it looked. Like my mom would eat it all the time. And I'd be like, oh no, get that away from me. Like I, have, I want nothing to do with it. So I didn't start having grits until I was older. Um, but yeah. Oh. And I like the... Sweet grits, yeah. Oh, it's an acquired taste, mm-hmm. I guess. Hmm. I definitely grew Never up thought on about them. that. Mm-hmm. My grandmother is from South Carolina, and so we would have like either grits in the morning or cream of wheat or oatmeal or something, and it usually always had sugar in it. It was always sweet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I definitely had that a lot when I was growing up. But in general, I'm a like I said, a savory person. So like I don't even like like you know too much sugar in my dessert I like <laughs> like a more savory dessert I don't like fruit in my dessert because it's too sweet what wow yeah like yeah. I know I like, want oh everything sweet mm-hmm. you know, like, people, like some people love peach cobbler or oh, pies yeah. oh I love that fruit yeah. in them and I don't I like you know sweet potato pie or pecan pie or something well, like that well sweet potatoes are naturally sweet much yeah. more like savory type of things Rich. you know it's got like nutmeg in it instead of like yeah. you know something a little bit so our second question just to kind of loosen it up a little bit is what do you think Beyonce is having? She hasn't had her twins yet by the time this airs, I don't think. So I think she's having a boy and a girl. All right. Mm. Boy and a girl. I'm going to go for two more girls. It's a lot of girls. It is a lot of girls. <laughs> I think there's going to be a boy in there. Only reason is because in the Shining song, Mm-hmm. Jay-Z talks about having a boy mm-hmm. and giving him his chains to wear to school or something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. So there, so there's going to be a boy in there. Yeah. Oh, oh, just because of the song? Or like does some, he know something? He has some factual revealing it music. evidence for this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when I heard him say that, I said, oh, there you go. There's going to be a boy. Mm-hmm. I have no idea. <laughs> and I don't know if I care so much, but, you know, it's two boys perhaps. I'm such a hater. <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of hating with you. Like, I'm not really a big Beyonce fan. Oh. So I like, you know, I oh wish her well. Happiness and like, you know, joy and good baby birth oh and all that. God. But like, Camila, and... we're like, oh my God. <laughs> well, I was... I've committed blasphemy apparently in here. <laughs> I wasn't a 
Beyonce fan for a long time, but she made me respect her. Like, I feel like after a while, she makes you respect her as an artist. So I respect her. And I think she's going to have a boy and a girl based off of Shining. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Have you seen that documentary where she, like, records her process to making... I forget which album it was. Oh, it was the first the, her first visual album, which was Beyoncé. Beyoncé. Beyoncé by Beyoncé. That documentary made me be like... Just upped my level of respect. Like, I already respected her. Right. As, like, a performer and, you know, able to, like, pull out amazing shows and produce great songs and whatnot. But that, I was just like... She be putting in that work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she like she <laughs> works so, so hard. hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's hard to not respect that, you know. Mm-hmm. Even if you don't. Oh my god, somebody. Yeah, no, I didn't say I didn't respect Beyonce. Like she works hard as shit, but like <laughs> I just am not a big fan of Beyonce. I respect Beyonce. I just think I work. I was working with some folks who were like Beyonce is God and like and is like up there with like Harriet Tubman. It's the doing the truth. Mm. Yeah. And I think for me, I was just like, I was like, no. <laughs> no and I now, let's right. be clear about that. Well, and, I, <laughs> and I'm like an underground hip-hop head, so I'm all like conscious hip-hop. I'm judgy. But I do appreciate how she's come this far. And I mean, her music just slapped. Like, I can't not dance to it. I just love it. But I think people put her on a deity level and it kind of drives me bananas. Yeah, I'm not in the beehive. <laughs> it's the beehive. Not in the beehive. People get kicked out of the beehive too, like yeah. on Instagram. Mm-hmm. What? Yes. Yeah, beehive, you say some don't bad. Don't come after us, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> if you listen to this podcast, beehive, please. Whatever. It's, it's, don't do it. I don't even care. I'm like, whatever. <laughs> I don't want to get stung, though. <laughs> I have a, well, I also have a lot of social justice folks that are just, like, ride or die for her, so I think that's why I'm like, what is going on? When that album came out, I, like, watched the videos out of trying to figure out what was going on. Like, I literally was, like, analyzing it. I was like, what is happening? And I was, like, taking notes, and I was like, why are social justice people obsessed with her? Because I think I connect, you know, I connect with, like, Which Janelle. album? Beyonce. Oh. And I was like, I connect with, like, Janelle Monet and, like, um, and, like, Erica Badu. So I was like, I just was trying to figure it out, and I just... I don't didn't really have a conclusion, but I definitely <laughs> I watched a lot of videos. Well, I appreciate her st- taking a stand, social justice wise. I mean, I t- feel like she took a stand, and she didn't have to. No. Some other black people have not. Yeah, but I don't think you need to give a pat on the back for something you should do already. That's my opinion. You know. Why should she do it? I think black being black is political, no She's matter black. what, whether we speak about it or not. You, it's a political identity. You could pretend like it's not, but it is. I think, and I think for me, I'm like, that's, you know, that's, if you just, if you decide not to talk about it, that's not, I don't think you should, I don't think, like, it's like, okay, sure, but I need people to, I think it's something that people should be doing already, or it's a part of who we are already. Yeah, but a lot of people don't. A lot of people don't. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people, meaning black folks, don't? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. A lot of black artists don't actually, like, really take any stance on issues related to blackness or black people yeah. or black anything. Athletes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look what's happening to, like, Colin Kaepernick Colin right Kaepernick. now. Yeah, but I think, I guess, I mean, just because they don't think they should say anything, I think for me, I mean, I feel like it's, 
you're still contributing to the system whether you say something or not. You have to figure out what like where you're at in the whole scheme of things. And silence is not neutral. No, I agree with you. They should say something. People should stand up, especially if you're black. Like people that look like you are being killed across the country and you have a platform, you should use it. Yeah. Agreed. So Agreed. I appreciate her for doing that. I am gonna say of the Beyonce, like of the Knowles lineage, I am more partial to like Solange. Did y'all like oh, I like her Solange. album? I love Solange. Solange. Love My brother Solange. didn't know who Solange was, and she's gonna be at uh, Outside Lands. I saw. Wait, what? Solange <laughs> is gonna be at Outside Lands. I know that was a deal breaker. He was reading up all these artists, and I was like, okay, like No Name's gonna be there. Like, um, who's the headliner? There's well, for the rock people, Metallica is about to be there. There's um. Uh, Little Dragon, right? Little Dragon. There's somebody like bigger than that. I can't think of who it is. But I, when I saw Solange, I was like, oh, what? Like, I was like, that's a deal breaker. And I had to play him some Solange because he didn't know. I had to put him I, on I game. How do you not know right now? No, I'm not going to lie. I was sleeping on Solange. A lot but of people were. Didn't know, like, I'm glad that people know no, who I she know is now, but I've always loved like, her music since her first album. So I'm uh, glad that now she's getting, you know, yeah, the notoriety. I was sleeping on Solange, too. But, like, that album was like my whole heart from last year so you know it's all yeah. the feelings it really is it's ha- i think i was in denial about it and then i would hear it around town and be like i love this song and, and they'd be like what who is this and they'd be like solange i'm like Damn it. <laughs> yeah shout out solange yeah shout out we love black you girl, black girl magic black girl i'm just gonna say for anyone who has sisters though who are very like equally talented mm-hmm. and very different yes they complement each other beautifully. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they're both, like, excellent in their own right. Because yeah. I feel like we're always trying to, like, pit one against the other. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. With black women, especially, like, in families mm-hmm. and things like that. And mm-hmm. I'm just like, I don't really like that. I think that they're both of their art stand on their own. Yeah, they're totally mm-hmm. different. And they're complete, yeah, completely different people. So I love both of them. And they, they embrace that about each other, too. Yeah. That's awesome. That's important, for sure. Cool. Cool. Where are we at? Oh, we're about to make a big pivot. Pivot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know. Okay. Um, so. Oh, yeah. All right, here's a pivot. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I like to bring in the politics, I'm sure as you could tell. I'm like totally the Debbie Downer in the group. Everybody's all positive. Um, <laughs> so. <laughs> Well, I, I, every day I wake up and listen to public radio, and I'm just curious if you guys have any opinion at all about President Trump still not revealing his taxes. It has been tax season. We are business owners. I have been taxed four times. <laughs> what? Dear Lord. Yeah, you get taxed twice. You get taxed, you got your self-employment tax. You got your Social Security and Medicare tax. That's why it's really high when we have to pay them. And then you have, then you have to pay the city of Oakland. They $60. And then, and then the Equalization Board takes my money in August, which I learned uh yeah that sucked the board of equalization takes your money every three months cool well i paid them (laughs) i paid them the total in august (laughs) quarterly yeah yeah Mm -hmm. i paid them the sales tax so there you go everybody yay for your business yay taxes who wants to start i am (laughs) does anybody care i'm i'm just so i'm so exhausted with this man like Mm. just Mm -hmm. anything about him I'm so drained Mm -hmm. just it's ridiculous I I mean I wasn't around like 
years prior when like say Nixon or whatever because you hear you know right oh, Nixon the stories, right yeah. and they're like compare like oh you know I I cannot relate but I am just so drained every time like there's something new every single day with him so does it surprise me that he is not sharing the taxes no because he's a crook why would he want <laughs> to release this word information <laughs> Right. He's, he's a crook, okay? He he's crooked, he's shady, he's a liar. He makes up stuff and says it's real news and calls real news fake news. I mean, so nothing he does surprises me. <laughs> up his up his, his right side up. <laughs> mm-hmm. 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 I think all of the focus on things like whether or not he releases like I could care less what his taxes are. And I'm more concerned on like what he's like building up to a war with North Korea. Like, right. that, I think, you know, right. and I that think all of the stuff around, like, oh, we don't have his taxes is, like, smoke and mirrors to distract us while they're doing all of this other mm-hmm. hella messed up stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Every like, day, something different. I feel like it ties in, though. I mean, like, people create wars, and they go into war to make money, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, it's and like the so biggest business. if he has ties in all of these different places or with specific companies then that you know here or abroad and we're starting a war in specific places you know what i mean like i feel like we need to know that and the reason that we're not we don't know that is because they want war well i think we already do know that like even with like the the muslim ban like the countries that they picked were specifically countries that he didn't have ties to and there were countries that he did Mm -hmm. have business dealings with that Mm -hmm. were not on Mm -hmm. the list that Mm -hmm. would have like potentially under whatever weird you know, standards or filters they were using to put countries on a list might have also been on the list, you know? So we already know that a lot of, ev- basically every decision he's making is kind of in his own interest and mm-hmm. to benefit mm-hmm. himself and his oh, yeah. stakeholders or other people he's doing business with. So, yeah. Uh, the smoke and mirrors thing is interesting because I listen, so I listen to Democracy Now! Shout out. I got to give a shout out to Amy Goodman and the team. <laughs> I'm like, I'm such an old granny. I'm like an old political woman. Okay. But the, um, they, they talked about that maybe, like, there's, a, they had a guest speaker come on who interviewed him and, like, did, like, a book on him, um, who he denies, which is hilarious. How do you forget the person that wrote a book about you? It's cool. Whatever. Um, I don't know him. <laughs> We're in, okay. All right. I don't know what to say to that. I'm going to walk away now. <laughs> but, like, he they he was saying that, you know, he very well, he revealed one page, right, of the 1040, and they were saying that he very well could have leaked it himself, and it's, like, a strategy. And I was like, what kind of madman? <laughs> like, I was like, that's really clever and really ridiculous all at the same time. I don't know. Yeah. Ugh. Trump. <laughs> One thing that Trump has taught me while being in office, though, that I've taken away as an entrepreneur. Oh, no, what is that? So curious. <laughs> oh, my God. What, is that? what has Please he taught you? Me. I'm determined to, like, learn something out of this. I'm, like, so I'm going to learn something out of all of this. And what I've learned is do not wait to bring your people with you. Mm. I feel like in a lot of times, especially, like, black people, when we get in positions, we're like, oh, you know, I just got this new position or I'm able to do this. Give me a few months. Let me get in good. Let me get in settled. And then I'll bring you, then I'll bring you in. Where he was like, no, I'm in here. She's coming. He's coming. They coming. No experience required. No experience required. Everybody who has a job Oh, my God. They would die if Obama was like, I'm bringing cousin Shaniwa and Pookie and little Nene. (laughs) And they about TT is about to be here. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> they no. would there'd be no way. It would just it would be the end of the world. That's the one thing that I'm trying to pull something positive out of this and that's the one thing that I've learned so far is just to don't wait. Bring your people right now. Yeah. That you want in in those positions. You better do a dictatorship like <laughs> <laughs> dictatorship move (laughs) there's um i feel i do appreciate that i feel like black folks don't give like any f's right now like it's like just word it's the Mm -hmm. truth right now and i really appreciate that and i also and i think for me as an entrepreneur i'd be like you know i have like imposter syndrome i wake up i'm like i don't know if i'm really doing this thing and then when i listen to this stuff i'm like i'm doing it he don't care i don't care we about to do this and i'm like hella crazy he's the president of the united states with no political experience no that's insane like you can run a business if he can run the country you ain't gotta pay no taxes we're setting a terrible precedent this is why people are freaking out pay your taxes they'll come after you maybe only if you're like you know a white man in a make America great again hat with millions and millions of dollars can you not pay your taxes yeah I also I appreciate that white people are freaking out thank god Thank no, I need them Lord. to freak out faster. Well, yes. Like, but thank get on the train. Goodness. Yeah. I appreciate they go to marches and I can chill and take a break. Dear Lord. <laughs> <laughs> or, like, my half my family is white and I love them. And I've had some really powerful conversations that should have been happening a long time ago. So, it's relieving. I didn't even have to start the convo. They just, did you know? Did you know this was happening? I was like, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Happening. Like, <laughs> nice of you to join the party. <laughs> <laughs> you are Great so, so late. <laughs> uh, oh, what's the next question? We're all in it. We're just like wandering. <laughs> so that's a pause. Yeah, we're gonna take a take a break. Oh yeah. All right. That was good. Next question. <laughs> the next questions are about to be uh, lit as the young people say. (laughs) All right, y'all, welcome back. We are in the beauty shop today with Miss Aaliyah and Miss Tanya. And uh, we're we're gonna go right into the next question. So, have you guys heard about what's going on with Shea Moisture? And, no? Yes? Yes. Yes? Okay, good. I feel like we watched the video all day long. I was like, full disclosure, we've watched the video five times. We have watched, we have, there's a full transparency here. (laughs) Well, uh, just for, in case you guys do not know what's going on, Shea Moisture released a new commercial, and they, you know, the, the black women have, you know, risen up against it. <laughs> in the Trump in, they the, are, in the Trump yeah, Trump yeah era. they are strongly against this commercial where it is mainly white women in the commercial. Um there are no four C is that is that four mm-hmm. four C like I just learned about texture. hair texture today. So yes, no no four C's in the in the Which means commercial. What? 
like how tight the coil of your curl is. So four C's like real kinky. No curl. afros. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Spell it out. Yeah, that's the tightest curl. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And so they're moving away from their primary base, the the customers that have supported them and gotten them to this point. And you know, black women are upset about it. Yeah, and I mean to be fair, like the the young black woman in the episode was really fair skinned as well. So there's a colorism piece going on here. Yeah. Mm. I didn't even know until this morning. <laughs> no, I didn't know either. Seriously, no, that Shea Moisture was a company started by people of color by Liberian folks. Is that yeah. what I read? Yeah, it's a Liberian uh, family. I didn't even black family. know that because in my mind, they always seem to be kind Ooh, of nice. All right, like every other beauty company I'm like, they were no different than like Pantene Pro-V which is maybe I'm I'm tripping because I got natural hair and I need to like get up on my natural hair game I need to follow <laughs> oh, no. some bloggers or something to understand but like usually I get my products from other local Oakland entrepreneurs for my hair so I wasn't really up on this like mass chain but I understand if you're not maybe in Oakland where people are doing a lot of that you you know resources might be limited of like what you can get to so that was oh, yeah. an eye-opener for me oh, that it was a mega black company i was like why is everyone so mad that this product you know wasn't really showing the 4c and then i was like wait they were started by <laughs> like wait mm-hmm. a minute and i had no clue that it was really just like a company that was focused on you know black women people of color from the jump and then they just made a pivot <laughs> like a sharp turn yeah trying to yeah. yeah can we call this gentrification Ooh. Ooh. the somebody gentrification on, of of hair products of black yeah. hair oh well i got you know I got somebody tweeted that um yeah. someone said that somebody yeah. tweeted that on uh black girl nerds i think that's a fair that's a fair assessment I, it it just didn't make any sense to me the mm-hmm. commercial made absolutely no sense because if you look at the line all their products right all their products is like creams it's supposed to be rich in moisture Mm -hmm. if you have straight hair more than likely you're not going to need a lot of moisture for your hair you're not going to put you you know creamy (laughs) curly you know in your straight hair you're just not going to do it because you don't you don't need the moisture so Mm -hmm. to me that didn't make any sense i was like I, I didn't make sense to me. Yeah. Yeah, they must have a straight... They were off time. They probably have a product for straight Like a line. Hair. I notice a lot of natural hair products. Like, I, I use um, Madam C.J. Walker's line. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have a straight hair product. They have, like, the curly items, and they have the straight hair items. So, But I just... There's a lot. I just think... I think... I don't know why they need to broaden their market when... Black women spend the most per capita on hair and beauty products. Like, we spend the most in the country. Mm -hmm. All Mm -hmm. the time. I don't think there's anything wrong with trying to, like, broaden your market. That's just not the way you do it. You don't do a commercial (laughs) where, like... You know, Becky's like, oh, ah! right? Talking about, talking about saying, how like, she hates her hair, yeah, right? Like, oh, my red hair—that's <laughs> so straight, and right. I just had struggled with it. I made it blonde. Like, that's not—that's well, not the same. <laughs> that doesn't no. resonate the same as like growing up as a kid yeah. and like yeah, I couldn't comb my own hair. Like, I mean, <laughs> you know, maybe there's an element of like, literally, oh, <laughs> you know, I'm redheaded. I'm different, and maybe I look different than people in my family. Okay, that's. 
I can understand that, but that's different than like I'm a black person and I've been told that my hair texture is wrong from mm-hmm. jump and I've been yeah. doing unnatural, yeah. unhealthy things yeah. mm-hmm. to my hair in yeah. an effort to assimilate. I've been spending an entire culture. Saturday in a hair salon mm-hmm. yeah. trying yeah. to change my hair. Yeah. And then I walk outside for one minute and it's frizzy again. Yeah. It's frizzy again. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and then you're in trouble because something, you know, mm-hmm. like that's a completely different I think it, it's it's a not parallel Mm-mm, experience. No. So. They they definitely missed the mark. It would have been okay, I think, if they were like, "Oh, we're launching these new products, and now we have something for the like yeah for a little bit with a little bit hair, for yeah. Yeah. And this hair in this hair in this hair." Then that would have made sense, but it doesn't yeah. make sense to try to like merge the two. Yeah, yeah, like completely erase the experience of people who have four C hair, or, right? Mm-hmm. You know what other. Right. Hair textures. We're talking about. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Curly hair textures. Yeah. Yeah. That's well, why like I didn't make sense. Or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. What? <laughs> I don't know what the. Like, I'm like, I need to like read up on my natural hair stuff, but. What do you think, Camille? I'm the worst when it comes to hair because, like, I don't necessarily buy something because I'm like, oh, this is for black people. I'm like, oh, sweet, this is $2.99. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> gentrification guys I kind of have a question for you about your businesses so um Shea Moisture we're talking about the gentrification of black businesses and like do you guys feel you know that it's necessary to kind of appeal to white audiences or do you find yourself or people asking you to to do that to kind of gentrify your businesses um I would say that I haven't found the need to do that. It's actually kind of the opposite. Like, I have really specific targets that we kind of focus on in both of my businesses. And actually, I find that a lot of times uh, white people really love it. So they want to come in and buy the products that are culturally relevant to one group or another a lot of the time. Um, so, yeah, they'll be like, oh, I've seen this fabric, or I traveled to Ghana, is this where this is from, or is this where this is made? They feel like they have some connection to it, or are drawn to the beautiful pattern. So, I definitely have seen white people actually really liking the stuff I have in the shop that feels very black. Like, it's possible that at one point I had a bunch of um, Black Lives Matter t-shirts in the store. Mm-hmm. Couldn't keep them in stock. And I think mm. I probably sold more Black Lives Matter t-shirts to non-black people mm. than I did to actual black people. Mm-hmm. And yeah, they were like buying three and four at a time. And maybe it's like guilt or something, <laughs> or I, I don't know, like wanting to show their solidarity or something, but definitely like... <laughs> They're like, as soon as struggle, I like to be, gotta get this shirt. They can't, we didn't vote for him. <laughs> totally, totally. Even like post-election like so many people came into the shop and it was mostly like you know a lot of white women Mm -hmm. um feeling very sad 
for <laughs> about the election results. And, you know, I didn't feel great about it either. And they were just, oh, we just need to shop. And I felt like they were specifically choosing to shop at a business owned by, like, mm-hmm. a woman of color. Mm-hmm. Okay. Their sort of All right. social action for that day because they felt like they needed to do something that was tangible. So it's kind of, it's this weird thing where I think white people actually really gravitate toward Quest or for that reason. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And, no, I haven't um, felt the need or noticed it um, with me being um, contemporary women's. Like, whenever I pick my my fabrics, I usually, like, I like to, I gravitate to color. Mm-hmm. A lot, like, rich, vibrant colors. I do some prints and stuff, too, but they're usually, like, floral. Like, I do some florals mm-hmm. or just, like, um, sequin. I love that sequin. Yeah, spot. during the holidays, I'll do sequin, stuff like that. So, it's kind of... Um, it's just a contemporary women's brand, um, and I get customers from all ethnicities, so I don't, I don't really feel like I have to specify or like make it clear for, you know, for white people um, at all. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel like my brand is pretty racially ambiguous mm-hmm. too. Um, I don't. Both are my customers, both white women and black women, mm-hmm. white men and black men. Yeah, you have a so. subculture, though. It's like that punk, like... Yeah, yeah. Which is, like, its own type of cool, right? Like, I want to be in that because it's cool. It's alternative. Is it? <laughs> <laughs> like, mm. I'm wearing your shirt right now, blood. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think when I saw your brand, I was excited as a black woman because I... You know, my mom's an alternative black woman who went to, like, Metallica concerts in the 90s, like, the only black woman inside. Oh, my inside. God, I love your mom. My mom's crazy. your mom. <laughs> my mom is bananas. Her her boo at the time looked like he was a Nirvana fan. Like, he had oh. the 90s blonde ponytail and the shave. Mm-hmm. Like, it was, like, for real. Mm-hmm. Yes. It was for real life. Mm-hmm. But anyways, if I had been in Oakland, like... You know, when I came to Oakland, I saw all kinds of black people. I was like, Mom, there go your people. There go her. There go her. There go her. (laughs) And if I had known that, I would have had a healthier, I think, identity journey because I was really struggling in Davis, mostly white folks. You know, everybody Mm -hmm. had, that's some white stuff. Oh, yo, you got that from your white dad. You know, you got that from your black dad. You know, or actually, I don't have a black dad. I'm totally lying to everyone. immediately that like if people really understood saw my family and and they would freak out like there's no show that had described as Hope Lieben's family it's the opposite of all the stereotypes oh my god that's hmm that's interesting I was very lucky to grow up with other black punks like myself thank god for them I don't know what I would have did if they weren't around but yeah so yeah Your mom was my She's probably my inspiration. She doesn't even know me. <laughs> oh, my God. Do you hope, I know you have, like, a, a social justice and, like, very cultural business. Mm-hmm. Do you feel the need to kind of, like, gentrify? I know you are going to say no, but, like, <laughs> do, you, <laughs> you know the do you have, like, do you feel that you need to, to kind of, like, soften your uh, your stance in your pieces? I mean, the iron, I think the answer is I think I feel similar to Aaliyah in that white folks are really attracted to stuff that's politically explicit because it gives them an opportunity to wear it on their bodies and be like, I'm an ally, without saying it, you know? It's like, 
you know, like across the room with the finger pointing the eyes. Um, but I think I, but I, I definitely have subconsciously internalized the social pressure. Like I'm really awkward around my customers, and mm-hmm. I'll be like, I'll be like, here's the button earrings to the left <laughs> that have floral <laughs> patterns. You know, like it's just really awkward. And then, um, but the, you know what I've noticed though is I've the thing that kills me, and me and Kim were hella uh, teasing this other entrepreneur that we work with that about I I have black folks who will walk past my booth like they side eye it, and they'll be like. And they'll like quickly scutter past it because they don't want. Why? Mm-hmm. Because well, this is my uh, this is my perception because I've professionally worked with black folks like this. I've gotten this a lot, where it's like I'm not that type of black person. Like hopes over there in the corner at her mm. desk, and I just want everyone to know that I'm not that type of black person. I'm inclusive of all people, and it's like, but I'm just being honest mm-hmm. about slavery and colonialism. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not making up new facts. <laughs> it actually happened. Like I don't. So that's that always kills me. I'm always like, hey, like I'm excited. I'm like, yay, people are here. Like at like the white market, and like, and they'll be like, oh, like <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, mm-hmm, it's awkward. <laughs> yeah, I get some of that too. A little bit. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have like some black and brown folks that come by, and it's more. M- Mainly, like, I see more brown folks doing it. Like, where they come by the booth and they're just like, oh, I'm not that, like, indigenous. I'm going to just, you know, this is this is not where I'm going to go. They said that I out need, loud? No, but I can see it on their oh. faces. <laughs> like, this is not my style. This is too indigenous. I need something that's just, like, very plain and, like, gold or something. It's Yeah, it's not. Hmm. I get that. Well, how do you feel about changing your product to fit? Oh, I'm not, yeah, no. <laughs> nah. I kind of feel like I didn't start my own business to fit in. Like, I worked for neither, a yeah, mass yeah. retailer yeah. that their struggle these days is that they are nowhere. Like, people are like, you are kind of nondescript. I don't really know. You mm-hmm. have no clear identity because you're mm-hmm. just trying to be everything to everyone. And I was like, that's not why I started my yeah. own business. Mm-hmm. It was so that I could put the products in the store that I wanted to see, work with people that I wanted to work with, support the brands that I wanted to, you know, help come up alongside and put the messages out there that I think should be there. Exactly. You know? So it wasn't about, like, trying to appeal to everyone. Like, if lots of people like it, okay. You know, we'll guide them in the right direction of things that it's okay for them to get. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know. Yeah, I think the... I think, well, one interesting thing is that I've had... Um, I actually had one of my friend's moms who's black. I was telling her about my business, and I was like, yeah, it's, like, for women of color. And it was, like, it triggered, like, a reaction in her. Like, it was just, like, she was like, oh, well, what color's money? And I was like, green. And she was like, right. So, like, you accept money from anyone, right? And I, like, was so, like, it was taken aback that I was like, okay. But I was like, and I immediately felt a little guilty, too. I was like, you're right. I should take money from everyone because money is money and I'm broke, (laughs) you know. (laughs) But, like, but I also knew, I also knew, though, deep down that I was like, that's your stuff and not my stuff. And that, like, I have, I do have a brand and a niche. And it's actually pretty exciting to hear people that I run into that's like, oh, fresh to death, my friend just bought something for for me from Mm -hmm. you. And Mm -hmm. I was like, what? Like, Mm -hmm. that's so cool. Mm -hmm. Um. So I don't. Yeah, I feel like I feel the same. I feel the same because like I see I run into people all the time, and I didn't like the first time it happened. I was so excited because I'm like, oh my god, someone knows me, and I don't know them. Like they just know me from Instagram. Yeah, that is Mm -hmm. cool. But they like I get the message all the time that like 
your pieces are different. Your pieces, your pieces are cultural. Your pieces are like representative, and it's not something that we see all the time. And so, like for Black and Brown people, this is something that's like it's because my art is Afro Latin, and so it's it's something different. And I haven't seen something like that, but they feel like it represents them, and that you know they get to rock something that feels like really indigenous or mm-hmm. like you know, and it's 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 not something I'm willing to change. Like. That's that's exactly why I make my pieces because I want people to feel like a connection with it, like a cultural connection with it. That's something from the soul. Yeah. When I was starting my business, I definitely had a family member tell me like, "Oh, you don't want to be a black business. You want to just be a business." And I was like, "But I'm black." <laughs> <laughs> And I understood what he was saying. Like, he was saying he doesn't want me to get put in a box Mm -hmm. with my business, but I don't think there's anything wrong with acknowledging my ethnicity Mm -hmm. alongside with my business. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So... Bring it back to Shea Moisture. You didn't want to just be in the the, the ethnic hair care aisle. Oh, you want to be in the the beauty, beauty aisle. aisle. <laughs> Way to bring it full circle. Yeah, yeah. Like that's what they were trying to tell you. Like, I don't know. Sometimes I'm like, can I be in both? Like, I know. I why do they have to be? Self? Why does yeah. it have to be mutually exclusive? Yeah. And I think we're. I think it's like we're culture. We're culture creators right now. Like we're teaching people how to be. And like in the world that we really want to see. Yeah, mm-hmm. we've always been culture creators. That's true. Always <laughs> since the beginning mm-hmm. of time, almost. So, yeah, I think that's important. All right, so you guys, I want to get some of the juicy, good stuff out of you. Oh no! I hope you brought your diaries. That sounds terrible. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> that I do not know about. <laughs> no, no, no secretly added questions. Um, I just want to hear what's one of the like craziest or like funniest or any kind of thing that's happened to you since you've been on your entrepreneurial journey? Well, like, I was thinking about this. Um, the one that really pops out of my head was when I, I first got the truck and I was doing an event in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. I had only drove the truck two times. So my truck is, is a decent size, but it's not as big as other fashion trucks. But to me, I think it's huge. And I'm like, <laughs> I think I'm driving like this big, like huge, big rig, you know. But it's not. It's like 14 feet or something like that. So it was <laughs> in the morning time. It was raining like crazy. I was doing um, the urban air holiday market oh i remember that remember that you were yes, at that too. i was i'm going across the bridge the wind was so high oh i remember my windshield wiper came off the track while i was going across the bridge oh my god and the oh, and the rain no. was coming at the window and i cannot i cannot see oh no, oh, no. <laughs> i was like oh my god what am I going to do? So I was able to exit at uh, Treasure Island exit. Mm-hmm. And then we pull into a lot. I think I was with my mom. My mom, I drag her to every event. My mom. I, <laughs> shout out mom. Shout She's out to mom. Yes. Mom there. is always there. And thank God she was there because I 
I almost had an anxiety attack. Like, you know, like I was like holding my breath because I can't see. Like, mm-hmm. like, what if an accident happens? So then I was able to get back on the, it didn't fly completely off the truck, but it came like literally like, you know, they go like this. It went so far over and it came off the track so it couldn't get back to the window. So the mm. I got out and rigged it up to <laughs> to put it back on track. But because it was so windy, that's how it, the wind threw it off yeah. the track. And then I said, okay, we're going to get back on the bridge again. And it was storming still. But I think the winds were like over 50 miles per hour, I feel yeah. like. And it was storming that day. Yeah. And so we get back on and then it happens again. And I, I drove the rest of the way across the bridge, like kind of sticking my head out the window. And I was in the rain. A- in the, the rain. And I was able to get off and... Um, and then shortly, and, and then and then we were able to see like, cause only one side was working, the passenger side, not the driver. So, I pretty much drove the rest of the way there, kind of with my head stuck out the window, um, and that was the scariest. That oh, were you on your way to the event? Yeah, and so the rain it stopped right before the event started, and mm-hmm. then it was clear sky. So thank God, right when I was driving home. It was fine, but and I had only drove the truck three times. Oh no! So oh. <laughs> my driving you were being tested. My driving experience was, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that is the scariest thing that I oh. could say that happened. My yeah. Gosh. Yeah. That's the strength of an entrepreneur, right there. <laughs> I was at the event. And I didn't know none of this. She set up like nothing happened. <laughs> she was still happy and smiling and selling. Yeah, ass off while uh, she was there. I almost, because I have asthma, and I, now I'm going all deep. Like, sometimes when I get, like, stuff happens, like, I, like, oh, I, yeah. I have, like, kind of, like, anxiety attacks a little yeah. bit, like, you know, mm-hmm. like, real tightness yeah. in my chest. But I pulled it together, and that is definitely by far the scariest thing that has happened. <laughs> and craziest, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Wow. That's, like, the metaphor for being an entrepreneur. Like, <laughs> shoot, I feel like a black woman entrepreneur. We're, like, amazing. What oh, happened? Oh, my gosh. Wow. Well, thank you for sharing that. Thank yeah. you for sharing that. Thank that. Like, oh, interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like, I don't know, I've been open, uh, Show & Tell's been open for five years now, almost five and a half years, and I've had some of the, like, most amazing, like, unexpected experiences in the five years. Um, And for the most part, I think it's been a lot of positive things. Um, So I'll share something that was kind of really heartwarming and positive, and then some of the, like, other stuff that's, like, really, really hard. Let's start with the bad stuff first. I think the thing that's, like, (laughs) is, is interesting, like, this is not even, like, one particular event, but, like, being an entrepreneur and like financing the business 100% like mm-hmm. by myself until recently where I was able to like take advantage of like Kiva and um, now like Square has a program where they offer like loans at a fixed rate through their platform. Um, but you know, no one was like loaning us money or we didn't have investors or mm-hmm. anything like that. So basically my life savings is like hanging on <laughs> the wall mm-hmm. in my store. So there's been many 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 weeks and days where I'm like I got like 25 cents in my bank account and who knows like some miracle has got to happen for me to be able to like make it two more days in mm-hmm. this business and so I literally believe in miracles now because there there have been mm. days where I'm just like there's no way like I have this huge bill to pay or like rent or something and I'm like there's no way I'm going to be able to come up with this and like 
I don't know, the skies parted and like money rained down. <laughs> like, you know, just someone or something has happened where it's like either I had like the best sales day I've ever had. Like as this one customer who I call her the $700 lady because literally every time she walked in <laughs> with her black American Express card, Oh, spent whoa. like seven hundred to a thousand dollars. Oh my She's god! Awesome. And I know, but like I knew everybody's a seven hundred dollar lady, right? Yeah. So she would come to the store like once a year, and she would buy like multiples of the of a thing, like a necklace that came in like four different kinds of stones. She buy like all of them, so stuff like that would just happen out of the blue, where I just like whoo by the skin of my teeth, like I survived another day. But mm-hmm. I think it's actually, I knew I was re- resilient. Mm-hmm. But those, like, as many times as I've had to kind of, like, surmount that that hill and kind of, like, be like, okay, like, I, you know, today was really hard, but I came back again tomorrow. Like, so mm-hmm. those things have uh, really kind of demonstrated my resilience. So that's probably, like, the wildest stuff. Like, I don't even, I've proven to myself that I can kind of survive, like, with very, mm-hmm. much less than I thought I needed to survive. Um, and kind of, like, make a way out of no way type of thing. Um, but, like, one of the really coolest things that has happened to me, and this is where I'm going to out where I used to work, So I used to work for Gap Inc. <laughs> I worked in the stores for, like, seven, six, seven years, and then I worked at the corporate office for seven years in San Francisco. And, like, learned pretty much everything I know about retail there, and I'm actually grateful to them for, like, training me to, at that particular time when I started working for them, the customer was like the number one thing. And I think that's one thing that sets my store and business apart from others is that like the customer experience and kind of engaging with them and knowing who they are mm-hmm. is really important to me. And that's why people, I think, come back and like feel comfortable and safe in my in my shop. Mm-hmm. Um, but a couple of years after, so I left and started show and tell and then like left Gap um, a couple of months later kind of not on necessarily like the best terms so I was like oh I'm never gonna go back there again you know like you know oh my gosh I escaped this like ivory tower that I was like, trapped <laughs> in kind of thing but ironically enough two or three years after opening the shop I got invited to come back to Gap headquarters to present a fashion show to their employees to demonstrate kind of what like queer style was on the streets um, during a Pride Month celebration, which was a huge thing. So, okay, I'm gay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a queer woman of color. Mm-hmm. I identify. Um, but it was a huge thing for me to get invited back yeah. to this place mm-hmm. where I, like, learned everything. And I, I left because I feel like they didn't accept who I was. I was, like, always the one where everyone's talking about their boyfriends. And I'm like, mm-hmm. my partner, my girlfriend. And they'd look at me like, you know, <laughs> me as a black gay woman was not readily accepted. Like, had I been a black gay man, it probably would have been a different experience. Mm-hmm. Like, I felt yeah. like such a... Especially in the apparel industry. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, mm-hmm. they love, you know, black gay men or gay men in general in fashion mm-hmm. or, like, readily accept- accepted. But, like, as a, you know, black gay woman, I just felt like this anomaly. Like, people just did not know how to relate to me mm-hmm. at all, even though I'm, like, I went to the same schools as y'all. And, like, mm-hmm. I was, you know, like, mm-hmm. we do, we eat, yeah. you know, food, too. <laughs> <laughs> It's not, like, my life is not that different. Like, I drive across the bridge in the morning to get to work also right. in a car. Like, you know, they just, like, didn't understand how to relate to me. So it was a really validating experience to get invited back. And we designed a whole collection of our own, which, you know, a lot of times we are featuring other makers in the store. But it was the first time I designed a collection to showcase on the runway and, like, got to dress and style people to present back to corporate, mm-hmm. Gap corporate on, on style and kind of what our, our vision was. And that was 
a really like full circle powerful moment for that's me awesome. that, that felt awesome. really great so that's one like that sticks in my mind as like something really magical that's happened but like dude these businesses have brought me some of the most magic experiences I've ever had and so mm-hmm. the thought of ever going back to work for somebody else again is kind of like nah mm-hmm. I'm good like I'm gonna have to be on the struggle bus for a while and just figure out how to make it you know mm-hmm. yep. because <laughs> this is where like the real meat and love and joy and like mm. you know just kind of all of the things that exhibit or kind of help you to understand who you are as a person like mm-hmm. where I'm kind of getting in yeah. touch with that so uh, yeah mm. I, I like that the student becomes the master <laughs> something like that <laughs> Okay, I'm going to do the thank yous. So I just want to thank, thank y'all, Ashe. Um, We also want to give a special thanks to United Roots. So this spot that we're in right now is Free Studio Space. Um, They provide, they're a nonprofit that engages and empowers marginalized youth in socially innovative ways, and specifically youth from East Oakland, West Oakland. They're holding it down for the for Oakland. For the Bay For the Bay Bay. The, but the heart of Oakland. And they do serve, they serve 15 to 24 year olds, so transitional age as well. And they and they have them start their own businesses. That's so awesome. we are, we are in the right place. Um, I also want to give a shout out to Brother Ajman Thrower and Calvin McRae for providing our show beat. And then thank you to Aaliyah and Tanya. Where can people find more info about your businesses, website, handles? Um, on social media, um, I, it's all the same mix collection, M-I-X-X-C-O-L-L-E-C-T-I-O-N, mix collection. And then my website is the same mixcollection.com. That's mixed with two X's, M-I-X-X. Awesome. Nice that yours are like very uniform. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So if you want to learn more about Show and Tell, probably Instagram is the best place to start. So we're Show Tell Oakland. Um, And then Culture Collective is Culture with a Q. So Q-U-L-T-U-R-E Collective spelled out um, on Instagram. And through those platforms, you can click through to our websites or Facebooks, depending on what links we have in our bios. Yeah. And we'll also have links to their everything in our show notes from uh, this podcast, too. So if you didn't quite catch it, just go to our show notes and you can find everything you need to know about them there. We'll definitely uh, have links to them. And then, Marty, where can people find you? Uh, Find me on Instagram. That's where the fiesta is. And it's... (laughs) At Azteca Negra, A-Z-T-E-C-A-N-E-G-R-A. I'm really impressed by y'all's abilities to spell. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Out loud. I am not going to spell mine. I'm, you can find me at FTD Collective, which is acronym for Fresh to Death Collective. And I'm richandriot.com, R-I-C-H-A-N-D-R-I-O-T.com. <laughs> No, it's like a competition over here. I'm feeling pressured. <laughs> <laughs> like, me. Please leave us a positive review and rating. 
Yes. We need five stars. We need five stars. And you know what? Leave your tell me why in our review section of this podcast. Let's get the conversation going. I want to read some of y'all tell me why's because I know we're not the only people going through stuff over here. So, yes. Yep. Hashtag tell me why. Hashtag tell me why. You like the show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>